Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. It is great to have you join us, whether you're sitting here in person or you're sitting in the comfort of your own home. Um, If you haven't looked outside, you need to and see the glorious white. And before we got here this morning, before I got in here, I took a couple of moments and looked up some verses just about snow. And Job in Job 37, 6 says, To the snow he the Lord says, Fall on the earth. Likewise to the downpour, his mighty downpour. And we are thankful that God sends rain and God sends snow and God has allowed us to be here today to gather in his presence. And we are thankful that you are a part of it. I hope that whether you're sitting here or joining us online, you'll enter into worship with us as we sing together. Let me just highlight a couple of things. Um, We're back to our regular activities on Wednesdays, so that means Wednesdays, 11 o'clock, adult Bible study right here in the sanctuary. It's a good opportunity to study God's Word together. And starting this week on Wednesday, well, actually this week on Wednesday, we're going to finish the book of Proverbs. We've been looking at that for the next several weeks. And then the following week, we're going to start just a brief survey of the Gospels. If you've ever wondered why we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, why they tell different stories from different perspectives, or why do they seem similar in a lot of areas, we're going to look at that for the next few weeks on Wednesdays at 11. So if you're interested in that, we would love for you to join us. And then also, our online prayer meeting meets Wednesday evenings, 6.30 on Zoom, and there's an email link that goes out every week. It's a good time to pray, and I can tell you that we had a a wonderful time of fellowship and prayer on Wednesday, and we would love for you uh, to join us. In just a moment, um, my wife Deborah is going to come and share a just a, a testimony, but before that, I just wanted to take opportunity to pray for two things. One, to invite the Lord's presence to be um, just mighty among us this morning and those that are joining us, and then also just for the many different um, needs that are around us, whether they're political, whether they're physical, whether they're related to COVID or whether they're just related to something else that's going on, that we would lift those up and trust into the Lord. We would lay our burdens down at His feet. And we would worship him today. So will you join me as we pray? Father, we thank you that we are here today in your name, the mighty name, the name that is above all names. We're thank you, thankful that you're the one that spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. You're the one that gives us the invitation, like Isaiah said, to come let us reason together, says the Lord. And Lord, while we admit this morning that our sins are like scarlet, we trust that you are the one that can make them white as snow. And though they are red like crimson, you can make them like wool. And so in our hearts as we prepare to worship, help us to soak in the words of David that said, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. God, purify us as your people. Help us to open up our hearts that we may hear you speak to us today. God, we are thankful for the snow, but we are also mindful of the things that are going on in our world. There's a pandemic that's still affecting very many people. And so we lift up those that we know, like like John and Daryl, LaDonna, Brooke. Those...
y'all hear me through my mask? Is it okay? I want to share a little bit of our journey with you. And first of all, I just want to tell you thank you for praying for me. You don't know. You have no idea what your prayers meant for me. Um, December 2nd, tomorrow night I started having a fever. December 3rd, Rusty started having a fever. Rusty was sicker than Smarna. He had the stomach part of it, and he slept a lot, and it scared me at first. And, but he started improving. Smar passed out on me, and uh, that scared me really bad. And uh, But she was okay. We just needed to get her some juice and some nutrition she hadn't eaten. And um, But Rusty and Smar started getting better, but I did not. And... Um, my, my case at first was really mild. It wasn't a big deal. I had really low-grade fever, fatigue. I walked the dog around the block. I, I was doing okay, and I thought, this is not a big deal. But there was an unrelenting fever, and it kept coming back and coming back. And so one Sunday, I, maybe it was the 13th, I don't know the dates exactly, I went to the ER because I was coughing up blood. And um, they sent me home. They said it just sometimes the bronchial tubes will do that. Sometimes there's scratches and stuff. I was thrilled, and they had done a chest x-ray. Everything was clear. By the 17th, I looked at Rusty, and I said, I'm not winning this battle. And honestly, that night before, God had said to me, you need to let somebody else take care of you besides yourself. And so that morning, I looked at Rusty, and I said, I'm I'm losing ground, and uh, I can't drink another Gatorade and another Pedialyte. Pedialyte's nasty. And um, so... We went back to the ER, and honestly, I was only worried about the fever because every four hours I had chills and fever, and it was worse and worse. And we got to the doctor, we got to the emergency room, and of course, I was there by myself, and they did a scan, and they said, you have pneumonia, we're going to take you to the hospital. And I was okay the 17th. The 18th and 19th were really bad. And uh, I knew whenever I left the house that death was on me. Um, I didn't want to die at home because I was afraid Rusty would feel guilty. And... um, so the 17th, I was okay, but the 18th and 19th were really rough. And um, the, I remember vaguely the nurse coming in and doing my vitals, and she said, oh, honey, you're getting better. Your bottom number of your blood pressure is in the 60s now. And I was like, well, that doesn't look right. That looks low. And she goes, no, honey, that's good. You were much worse. <laughs> and I remember one of the nurses fighting for me all night with the oxygen they put me on 10 liters of oxygen. I was, still wasn't doing well. And um, she uh, finally got a mask to put over my face. And um, I was so in and out of it, I didn't know what was going on. The fever was still really high. I was really struggling. And so on the 19th, I called my family, and I told them, you need to let me go. You need to let me go. I'm tired, and I'm done, and I can't make it. And um I told Rusty, death is on me, Rusty, and I'm, I can't fight anymore. And um, I signed a do not resuscitate paper and said, do not put me on a ventilator. Rusty said, Deborah, please call the nurse and get that changed. And I said, Rusty, please let me go. I love you, but I'm tired. And so um, my, I called my mom and told her the same thing, and she called my brothers and sister, my brother and sister, and, um, of course, we had asked you all to pray. We didn't tell you the details of what we were struggling with. And uh, so, I'm sorry. Oh, i trying to breathe. Um, and so, um, that night, 
I woke up. Somebody was moving around the bed. I was used to it. You know, you're, gonna, you're here to draw blood. You're here to take my blood pressure. What do you need? And so I just said, what do you need? And then I opened my eyes with my arm out, and I looked around, and there was no one there. And I was like, well, that's weird. I heard somebody moving around the bed. And so I laid there. I closed my eyes and laid there for a few minutes, and I listened, and I could hear the, the movement of garments, and I could feel the wind of movement around my bed. And I said, what do you need? And I opened my eyes, and no one was there. And all of a sudden, into my spirit, I knew that angels had come into my room. And so, of course, I start talking out loud to him, you know. What, what would you do, really? And so I said, so that whole Bethlehem shepherd thing, like, were you all a part of that? And nobody answered me. And I was like, okay, I got you. I understand how this works. You know, you're servants of the Lord. You're here to do his bidding. And I just said, God, I am crumpled up in this bed. I didn't have the strength to push myself up into the bed. I could barely make it to the bathroom and back without just falling into just a puddle in the bed. And just my feet were cramped up against the end of the bed. And I just said, God, could you get these angels to fix the bed? That's an automatic bed to, pr- to help with pressure points. And, um, but it hadn't moved all night. I hadn't moved, so it hadn't moved. And if I raised the, the head up on it, it would move. But I'm supposed to be laying on my stomach. And so I no sooner said that. And that bed started moving, and it moved, and it moved, and it moved, and it moved, and it just kept going. And I'm sitting there just going, God, you know, this is great. And all of a sudden, I looked down at my feet, and my feet were six inches from the end of that bed, and my head was at the head of the bed. I hadn't moved. And, of course, my brother's question was, did God make you shorter, or did he make the bed longer? (laughs) And so... um. I started laughing. And from that point on, I never said death was on me anymore. From that point on, I had hope. From that point on, there was peace. And my family had been up all night long burning the midnight oil. That's the old phrase they used to use for for prayer. And they were asking God, God, is it your will? Is it time for her to go home? What's your mind? What do you say? And before the night was over, every one of them had a piece. It's not time. And so mom, I texted all of them about the, the angels. And my mom called. And she said, what time did the angels come? And I said, it was 3.30 in the morning. She said, I woke up. She said, I'd been up almost all night. And she said, and, but I laid down and I had to go to the bathroom. And I got up and I said, oh, God, I forgot to ask you to send angels. What time was it whenever that happened? I said 3.30 in the morning. She said, that's what time I got up and prayed. It was at 3.30 in the morning. But that's God. (laughs) You know, you just sang a song that said God is a roaring lion. And he's fighting our battles. Do you believe that? It's true. He does fight our battles for us. And I don't understand why some people are taken home and some remain. That is not my call. It is not given to me to understand that. But I know the one who does understand it. And I know he knows. I know he's on his throne and I know he knows what he's doing. And if he had taken me home, it's because my house was ready. But like Rusty told me, there's more work for you to do in this house here before you go to that house there. And so as I began to get stronger... Um, oh, that Sunday, Rusty and Samar were here at the church, 
right after that Saturday, I told everybody to drop the bomb on them. Um, and that Sunday, while y'all were here at church, the doctor came in. He goes, we need to talk about this do not resuscitate business. And I said, I don't even know what to tell you. I can't even think clear. I don't know. And he said, he started explaining it again. I said, you know what? Why don't you tell me what to do? He said, you're putting me in charge? Good. Because you know what? You need to let us fight for you. Let us fight for you. And I said, okay. He said, we're tearing up the DNR? I said, yes. And he goes, I'll have a nurse come to cut the band off. So when Rusty got home, I called him and told him. And he was rejoicing because that was his prayer request, his very specific prayer request. So I got stronger and stronger every day. The oxygen started coming down. And honestly, y'all got the text message that I was, or the email that I was coming home on Monday. But the doctor told me, Sunday, you're not going home on Monday. She said, you're not strong enough. And she said, well, your oxygen is still on a six. She says, you need to be on a two before we send you home. And even then, we're going to send you home with oxygen. So Rusty and I were praying I'd have to come home with oxygen because I don't want home health care people coming in. Because when I came into the hospital, they ran blood work and they said, your body, you've had COVID since December 2nd. It's December 17th. And your body has produced zero antibodies to fight it. I had nothing. It's because I have leukemia. And so they told me, you know, you're going to have to still be really careful. There's still not enough documented evidence to know whether people can get it again or not, and you need to be careful. We don't know how long the antibodies last. We don't, there's so much we don't know. So you've got to be careful. So we are. But um, so as it, when I, that day on, on Monday when they said I was supposed to come home and the doctor had said I wouldn't, a different doctor was there. <laughs> and so the, um, they came in and did a walk study, and they had, moved my, they had worked my oxygen down to a 2 and they said, we want to do a walk study and see how you do. And so I started walking down the hallway, and she goes, you're doing great. I'm cutting the oxygen some more. I kept walking. You're doing great. We're going to cut the oxygen some more. By the time she was done, I wasn't on oxygen at all. And I was walking down the halls and stuff. I don't know how I did it because I couldn't walk from one room to the next at home. At that time, and you saw I have helped to navigate some things still. But God was with me, and he helped me. And the reason why I'm sharing all this with you is not because you need to know all my medical history, but I'm sharing it with you because I know that it wasn't just my family praying. I know y'all were praying. And I know that God heard your prayers. And I want to encourage you to dig deeper this year into his word. Go deeper in faith with him by inquiring of him, not just saying, well, we're just going to believe for a miracle. No, inquire of God, God, what is your mind? What do you want to do? Show me how to pray. And when we pray for people, let's pray specifically for them and ask for God to send his angels. Those nurses and doctors are overwhelmed. Don't you know they need some extra help? They do. And I want to encourage you in this day to be people of hope, filled with a hope. Because that's the mark of Christianity. We're not to despair like the world despairs. I was despairing. It's easy to do when you're sick. But you know what? We don't. That's not who we are. We are people of hope. And you know what else? In a day and age we live in, it's hard to find truth. But you know where to find truth. So dig in deeper than this and less of the news. I'm not telling you to put your head in the sand. I'm telling you to put your head, head in the book. And I'm telling you, get the headlines, 
turn off the TV and get on your knees and intercede and pray for people. Pray for our government. Pray for our nation. And then leave it with the Lord. And you know what the Bible says? It says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. He's already told us this. It's going to be shaken until all that remains is what can't be shaken. And we have a kingdom that will never be shaken. And it's going to emerge even more than we've ever known it before. And our King of kings and our Lord of lords, he does not change. He does not change. He is still on his throne. And you know what I found out? COVID is no match for my God. It is no match for him. And may he touch John Stanley, and may John Stanley be able to not have oxygen. May he touch Brooke. May he strengthen Dan. May he strengthen Daryl and protect LaDonna. And may he put his angels around them. And anyone else that we know that's sick, may the Lord bless them and keep them. And if he takes them home, let them be ready for glory. And we'll trust him in famine or feast. But you know what? I want to read a passage to you. It's very meaningful to me. It's Psalm 46, and I'll close with this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage and kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth, how he makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. Amen. Because you know what? If you're a daughter of the Most High God, you don't have to be shaken either. Or son. Amen. And amen. Would you guys stand and sing with us this morning? I can see the promise. Oh,
If you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn to Habakkuk chapter 1. If you have a bulletin, your eyes are not deceiving you. The the bulletin would direct you toward Joshua chapter 20. Um, We'll pick up there next week as we study God's Word together. I was at a prayer service on Saturday. We were praying with the Gideon 300, which is connected with our local Baptist association, and it's a meeting that meets once a month to pray specifically for revival and spiritual awakening in Johnson County. And while we were praying, one of the ladies shared verses from the first chapter of the book of Habakkuk. And she read the verses and she ended the verses on what is a very pleasant thought that God would Tell us to look upon around the nations and see and be and wonder and be astounded, for I'm going to do a work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. But she stopped there and she didn't read the next verse. And my spirit was going, No, you have to read on. You have to read on because what God is saying there is very important, not only in that day when Habakkuk received the word of the Lord, but also in our day. You see, 2020 and 2021. We could probably say, and would be very much an understatement, have found us with challenges all around us. We've had almost a full year of the COVID pandemic. We've had political drama after political drama. We've had chapter, subchapter, subplots all throughout the year. We've seen a nation marked with division sinfulness, violence, wrongdoing, destruction, contention, strife. The law seems to be paralyzed. Justice seems perverted. And if we were really honest, we would say there's lots of things around us that we don't like, that we don't understand, and we would love to change. And it leads a lot of people to ask two great questions. God, why is this happening? And God, how long is it going to last? More than 2,600 years ago, a prophet saw things he didn't like, things he didn't understand. And he asked questions to God that he didn't know the answers to. And God responded. The prophet listened with his ears and with his heart. And the prophet learned a valuable lesson. He stopped asking questions like why and how long. And he began to understand that the righteous live by faith. And he proclaimed at the end of his book 
that no matter what the circumstances, he would rejoice in the Lord. He would take joy in the God of his salvation because God was his strength. The one who would make his feet like the deer's and who would make him tread on high places. You see, I think Habakkuk is just as relevant today as it was then. And I'd like to read the first 11 verses together with you and invite you to join in standing together as we read from from God's Word. Habakkuk chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet, saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am about, I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They're dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, or they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. Father, we thank you this morning that we can open up our Bibles and turn to your word. We're thankful for this wonderful gift that you give us, this gift of Scripture, this gift that has stood the test of time, that is living, that is active, that speaks still today to the hearts and lives of both men and women all around the earth in many different languages. And we ask you today to help us to see the truth that we need to see from these words and more importantly, to apply it to our lives. And we ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. You see, here's the truth. God may not always answer our questions, but he always provides his presence and he always carries out his plan. Now, we can live through our lives, and we probably won't have all of our questions answered about what God's up to, why is He doing things. But we can always trust that His plan is working and that His provision is perfect. And I want to talk to you just for a little bit about this man, this prophet Habakkuk, the question he asked, the response that God gave him, and what we can learn from these things. So let me just tell you a little bit about this man called Habakkuk. We don't know a lot about him. We do know, because the Bible tells us, that he was a prophet who saw an oracle. His name in Hebrew means to embrace or take hold of. He was a prophet by trade. And that word prophet 
meant someone who was stirred up in their spirit. Someone who would pour out their declaration to the Lord. Another way of saying that would be somebody that just bubbled over with a message from God. Like a boiling pot that you can't keep in the container. These men were so filled with the Spirit of God that they could do nothing but speak His truth. And he saw something called an oracle. You may in some translations see that that was a burden or a load. It was something that he was re- the Lord revealed to him and he had to share it. He couldn't hold on to it. He put a burden in his heart. He couldn't keep it to himself. And God specifically revealed things to him about the nation of Judah. Now at this time, Judah, the southern kingdom, was the last man standing. Israel fell in 722 B.C. Judah was spared just for a little bit, but their time was coming. And the king at this time was the wicked son of King Josiah, Jehoiakim. And Jeremiah records that his burial would not be a very pleasant thing. With the burial of a donkey, he would be buried, dragged and dumped beyond the gates of Jerusalem. And the nation followed him along in his wickedness. And so it was a time of sin and wickedness and all those things that go along with it. And as you look at the structure, this, this small book, only three chapters, you see that Habakkuk asks God a question. God answers. He asks another question, and God answers. And then the end is a prayer and a confession. So before we get in, I want you to just have some foundational things that we need to keep in mind as we look through these verses. First of all, no matter what the situation, God is merciful and just, even when you don't understand what He's doing. Second, wickedness will be punished. The Bible is clear. And the righteous will ultimately see justice as God chooses to bring justice. But in the meantime, God may and will use wicked nations to do His will to punish other nations. But ultimately, God will judge all the nations. And then fourth, God expects His people to live by faith. That's the great aha moment for Habakkuk. The righteous will live by faith. And this man, Habakkuk, looked around at his nation, his city, his people. And he saw injustice and sinfulness. And he started to ask some questions. And so in Verse 2, 3, and 4, we see that Habakkuk asks these questions. And the question that was really underneath these two questions, why and how long, was this. God, do you care? We've all thought that at one time or another. And maybe right now this morning you're thinking that. God, do you care? He does. And he's faithful. And the Bible tells us these questions were, first of all, how long... Shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. Habakkuk is a bit confused. Habakkuk is disillusioned because this is the great God, the Lord God Almighty. And he's wondering, God, why is all this stuff going on? Why are you allowing it to happen? 
And honestly, I think he's just a bit skeptical at this point about, you know, God, are you going to do anything? Do you care? He prays. He doesn't really feel like God is listening. Have you ever felt that way? You're confused. You're disillusioned. You're a bit skeptical, and you're wondering, God, are you listening? Do you hear? Habakkuk could relate to you. He's wondering, how long is it going to be, God, before you step into the situation and do something? And we always have to remember that God's timing is not our own. It's His timing. And it may seem delayed, but it's always perfect. And then he asks a second question. Why? Tell me why. Tell me why. Do you make me look around and see this iniquity? And why do you look idly at wrong? Basically, he's saying, God, I'm looking around and I'm seeing a lot of things and I'm not seeing you do anything about it. And I'm wondering, God, what are you going to do? Why are you just sitting there? He's crying out honestly to God. Are you going to do something about this? How often in our lives do we ask God why? We pour out our hearts to God with that question trying to make a little bit of sense of the world that we're in. And sometimes God answers and tells us. Other times He doesn't. And we can find in the Psalms, David, time and time again, asking God why and why. Laura Story, a musician who wrote the song Blessings, who dealt with just misery and heartache in her own life, said this, and I loved it. Sometimes David got answers. Sometimes he got silence. But even when David's questions weren't answered, his faith in God was stronger than his need to know. And I wonder if that's something for you or me today. Is our faith in God stronger than our need to go? And are we willing to trust Him even when we don't have all the answers? Habakkuk looked around and he saw things in his world that were terrible. Violence. They're all in the Scriptures, verses 2, 3, and 4. Violence, iniquity or sin, destruction, strife, contention. The law just seemed to be paralyzed or useless. He didn't think real justice, real justice even existed anymore. That wickedness was surrounding the righteous. And he said to God, look what's happening There's violations of your law all around. Men are injuring other men. Justice is perverted. There's quarrels. There's lawsuits. There's litigation everywhere. People are ignoring the law that you gave us. The righteous are oppressed and harassed by the wicked, and we seem like we're outnumbered. God, do you care? Your nation, this nation's a wreck. It's filled with chaos. And some of us would probably look around and say the very same thing about our own country. It's a mess. It's a wreck. There's a pandemic. There's violence. There's injustice. There's lawlessness. Racial tension. Police shootings. Violence, both domestic and in the streets. Sin is blatant. And there's a whole laundry list of atrocities. And we could say that we're in big trouble. 
And much of it is self-inflicted. And many people are asking those questions. God, how long and why? And in verses 5 through 11, the prophet gets an answer. The Lord responds. And as Warren Wiersbe says, God offers Habakkuk a revelation, not an explanation. Instead of answering those questions, why and how long, God reveals who he is and what he's going to do. He broadens Habakkuk's horizon to give him a wider perspective. You see, Habakkuk had a very narrow viewpoint. He was thinking about his nation, his interests. And God was about to speak about the nations far beyond Judah to reveal that he had a plan for the whole world. And how often do we get so narrowly focused about our family, our community, our town, our country, that we forget that there's a world around us that has great need. The need of love and hope, the need of a Savior. You see, our judgment, when we try to make decisions, we're limited by time, space, and mortality, which means we don't do a very good job most of the time. But God, when He sees things, He sees things from the beginning to the end. It's not finite, but infinite. He's not bound by time. He's timeless. And He's not focused on anything but His plan and His glory. And God reveals something to Habakkuk that He tells Habakkuk He's not going to believe. In fact, He says, you're going to, be, you're going to wonder and be astounded. And I'm about to do a work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. It's almost like God's saying to Habakkuk, Habakkuk, brace yourself. You may want to sit down. This is going to seem unbelievable. You think I don't care. You don't think I'm doing anything. But I'm already working and you don't even see it. Right now, not in the future. God had an unbelievable plan and it was already in the works. That should be an encouragement to you. When you don't see an end to your frustration, your solution, or your problem, God already has a plan, and it could already be in the works. But this unbelievable plan was a bit different because he follows it up with, I am raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. Now, that's not what we would expect to find after such a great-sounding verse, right? I'm going to do something. You wouldn't believe it if I told you. I'm doing a work in your day, and I'm going to pour out abundance and blessing upon you. That's what we would want to see. But we see, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. Habakkuk, I'm about to knock your socks off. I'm about to get the attention of my people. And it may be painful and it may be hard, but it will be good. That God would use a a nation much more wicked than Judah to judge them. And you would imagine in Habakkuk's mind, this would be unthinkable. How could God do this? It's astonishing. It's unbelievable. And God says, you see violence, but there will be even greater violence. You see justice, but a nation's coming that is even more wicked and greater 
injustices. These Babylonians that were marked by, the Scripture tells us, as a bitter and hasty nation. They make their own rules. They have no respect for the authority of another. They saw themselves as the authority. They scoff at kings. They laugh at rulers. And they laugh at every fortress where they pile up earth and take it. It's nothing they were afraid of. And verse 11 tells us that their own might was their God. Now, they were impressive militarily. They were a fierce and fast-moving, conquering nation that would march through, seizing what they wanted. Homes, land, food. They had fast horses that were like leopards. They They were swift like eagles. They'd gallop in at full speed, take what they wanted, and then devour everything in the path, wanting to do violence. And then they would sweep by like the wind and go on. They would move in quickly and then move on to their next conquest. And nothing would stand in their way. And after this shocking revelation, God reminds them they may seem powerful, but they're not going to be in power forever. They have a certain end because they're guilty men and they would be judged like guilty men because their faith wasn't in the right place. They put their trust in their God, which was their own might, not the one true God. And God would eventually judge them and His justice would prevail. And Habakkuk's left wondering, how in the world would God use an evil, wicked nation like the Babylonians, to judge his people, chosen people. I mean, there was some wickedness and iniquity, some sin in Judah, but could it really be that bad, God? Surely there was injustice, but are you really going to use these Babylonians to deal with it? How could a God who is holy and righteous use wicked men against his own nation? How could God in this season use a pandemic for His glory? How could God use political unrest and division for His glory? Think about this for a second. What if the things that we view as evil were the tools in God's hand to wake up His church and turn people back to him what if covid what if the political unrest were tools in god's hand to wake up believers in the united states and turn people back to him our nation our world's in a very similar situation to that in habakkuk's day you can pull up the news on television or on your phone And you see those things, violence, sin, destruction, strife, contention. And you see a world full of angry men and angry women that would rather rant and post and pray and repent. And then we can talk about the world because that's inside the church. Respect for God's Word and its authority is dwindling. 
legislation and the legal system is not listening and following after godly standards because what seems right gets punished and what's wrong is championed and promoted. Evil, sin, and corruption find support and backing. And did you ever think we'd live in a day when plain and simple biblical truth could be labeled hate speech? And you might ask yourself, is the wrong side winning? Oh no, there's a kingdom. An unshakable kingdom. A kingdom that will prevail and will never end. But we're not there yet. You see, we still wonder those same things like Habakkuk. How long? God, I don't think I can hold out any longer. Or why? I need answers. I, I need to know. Well, let me tell you this. In the end, we need to be reminded that God is in charge and He's in control. God says many times in Scripture, I'm the Lord, I'm God, or the Lord, He is God. He is the one who never owes us an explanation. He's sovereign. He's the highest authority and makes all the decisions. No person, government, or power operates outside of His control. But at the same time, He's good. He always does good, even when we don't think so, even when we can't see it. And He's in control. The earth spins. The sun shines. The moon orbits. The tides come and go. National problems, the pandemic, questions about the election, what you woke up this morning thinking about or what you'll wake up tomorrow thinking about. Remember this. God is in control. And one day Jesus is coming back. Peter reminds us in the Living Bible, after you have suffered a little while, our God, who is full of kindness through Christ, will give you His eternal glory. He personally will come and pick you up and set you firmly in place and make you stronger than ever. Jesus is coming back for His people. And the blessings and miracles that we see along the way, oh, they're just glimpses of the kingdom that's coming. And the bad things, you know what they remind us of? We're not there yet. You see, the sovereign Lord is good. He's in control. And no matter what we're going through, we can put our trust in Him today. You see, in the end, the questions really aren't why and how long. The important question is how will you live? In chapter 2, verse 4 of Habakkuk, we find there's only one answer. He says, the righteous one shall live by faith. It all starts with that relationship of faith, believing and trusting in God through Christ. Because without Jesus, you've got no hope. The only thing you have is what the Bible calls a fearful expectation of God's judgment. See, in the middle of hard times, we want to cry out, God, why and how long? But let me give you three things to know for sure before we're done. And these are from 
the last of the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, we can rejoice in Christ. No matter the circumstance, you can rejoice in Christ. Habakkuk said, no matter what's going on, you can take everything away, all the crops, all the animals, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. See, our joy is in the Lord. Our hope is in the Lord. And when we find those things in Him, we can rejoice in all circumstances like Paul. The second thing is we find joy in Christ. Habakkuk's word, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. And you notice these are personal declarations. Because you can only find joy in Christ if you are in Christ, if you were trusting in Him as your Lord and Savior. And then finally, Christ is our strength. He's your strength to get out of bed and go to work when you don't want to. He's your strength when you feel like you're failing and you want to give in. He's your strength when you're tempted. He's your strength in all circumstances. Habakkuk says, God, the Lord is my strength. And when we begin to listen to these things, when we begin to take these truths into our lives, then and only then can we, like Habakkuk, begin to tread on the high places. Now, we may not find out all the answers that we would like to know. The situation around us may seem still dark and difficult, but we know this above all else. We know and we trust the one who is in control because he is God. He is sovereign. He is good. And he is in control. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, as we come to you at the end of our time together, we're, we're thankful for your word, that it's true, that it stood the test of time, and that it speaks to every situation, every circumstance that arises. And so, God, in the midst of this, on this day, we are grateful that you are who you say you are and you do the things you say you will do. And Lord, when we look around and we want to know why and how long, when the distresses and the challenges and the problems of life seem to overwhelm us, help us to find our joy in you, our strength in you, that we may rejoice in you, and that we may soar like eagles and walk on the heights, because you, our God, is with us. We trust you, O Lord, and we thank you for these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. These things, you know this, but I will remind you, all of these things, all of these promises start with a very simple, trusting relationship with Jesus. It's the greatest gift God has ever given. It's the simplest decision you can ever make. It is the gateway to the most wonderful life you would ever live. All the blessings of Christ are yours. And it starts with just simply saying, Jesus, I trust you. I give up on that other stuff. I can't do it. My sin, I lay it down and I trust in you. And when you do that, you enter into this life that begins this journey where you can 
start to live by faith like a righteous one. Righteous in Christ, living and trusting in faith. And maybe today you're a little weary. Maybe you're government weary or maybe you're pandemic weary or maybe you're just weary weary because you're worn out. Maybe there's a burden on your heart that you need to lift up and lay down before the Father. This is the time to do it. I ask you to join in standing together. We're going to sing a song and as the Lord would lead you, I trust you would respond. So you stand together with us and sing with us. Good to see all of you this morning. Glad you could join us. I, I want you to, to take note of this. It, it's probably been five or six years since we've had um, a snow like this. And let me just tell you, you're, you're, you're not too old to act like a kid. And so I encourage you to do this because it will be good for your soul. Throw a snowball today. Now, I don't, you don't have to throw it at somebody. You may want to. Throw a snowball today. It's going to be good wet snow. Throw a snowball. Build a snowman. Enjoy the beauty of it. Please be careful as you're on the roads. Um, The Lord bless you. We look forward to meeting together again next week. We'll be back in Joshua chapter 20. We'll be looking at the, the cities of refuge and how those are a picture of the refuge that we have in in Christ. So hope you'll join us next week, either online or in person. We're going to sing together. And when we start singing, you are free to go. The Lord bless you.